Amen. Did you know that? Did you know that you were already won? Did you know that the enemy's already been defeated? Did you already know that you have the victory? And not because of what you've done, but because of what the blood of Jesus has already done. You got victory. What, what, is it, what is it that you're facing today? You got the victory. You got the victory in your body. You got the victory in your finances. You got the victory over anything that's going on in, in your mind, over negative emotions. You got the victory over depression. You got the victory. Yeah. Jesus secured your victory over 2,000 years ago on the cross. Satan is already defeated. You're not trying to get God to do something to happen. It's already done. It's already finished. It's already over. That circumstance that you're going through is just a formality on the way to your victory. It's done. And, and, and all, all we got to do is believe. All we have to do is trust in the promise that the blood made available. Trust in the promise that when his body was hung on the cross, made available. You have 100% victory. Now, now understand, you don't have 50% victory. You don't have 80% victory. You don't have 90% victory. God ain't just doing some of it. He's done it all. So, so you, you, you might be sitting there saying, yeah, it's, it's begun. Well, if it's begun, hang on because you ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to finish. And it is going to be good. God is not just doing part of a thing with you. He's doing the whole thing. And the good news is because of grace, you, you get to sit back and enjoy the ride. You know, religion has taught us that we, we got to do all this work and put all this effort forth to try to earn the victory. No, it's, it's already won. The game is over. And you stand as the victor. Your champion, Jesus, won it all. Amen. With you on the bench. <laughs> he finished. Take that communion element that you got. Because that's what that represents. It represents the blood of Jesus. It represents his body. It represents that day on Calvary, uh, that, that special day that made grace available to us all. When we drink this, we, we drink it in remembrance of him. When we eat the bread, we eat it in remembrance of him. This is in remembrance, literally, of the victory. See, people get emotional. People wonder why, why people get emotional when they're praising God and things like that. Or why do people get emotional when they come to church? You know, um, in, in religious churches, they get all emotional and they run around a place and stuff because it's just tradition. You know, you, you start feeling good, you got to express it, you know. 
uh, or, or it's time to shout or it's time to this, that, and other. But in a grace-based church, people do the same, same thing, sometimes the same thing. They may run around the church, they may shout, they may dance, and that's absolutely fine, but they're doing it because they understand they got the victory already. They're doing it because the enemy has been defeated. See, one thing I've learned, the more and more we, we get deeper into ministry and do what God is calling us to do, man, people go through stuff. And that's an understatement. If you knew what some of the things that people sitting next to you today are going through, you would be shouting too. For the mere fact that they even walked in the doors on today took a strength and took a trust in God that, that, you, that some of us have not even experienced before. If you understood where some of us in this room and the people down the pew from you, where they've been at, amen? Been out on the street, been in jail, been stuck, been, been, been all messed up, and yet they still found a way into the house, into the presence of God. It's because they know that they got the victory. So, so this ain't a game. It, it, ain't, it ain't just religion. It's not just something we just, we do on Sundays to check it off our list. This is real. This is, this is our lives. You know, you got to ask somebody, are you, you about this life? Yeah. I'm about that grace life because I'm about victory. And you got victory. Isn't that praise to him? I said, y'all better sing the acapella in the name of Jesus. I didn't know they was going to do that. I was like, what they doing? And I said, oh, look at the anointing on that. But take that bread and, and, and just hold it up. And Father, we thank and praise you for your body. By your stripes, we were healed. And so we declare the blessing of healing on each and every person in their bodies and in their minds. I speak peace right now into their bodies. Nothing missing, lack, nothing lacking, nothing broken. I come against depression, I come against fear, I come against anxiety. And I say in the name of Jesus, peace be still. We believe it. We receive it in Jesus' name. You may eat. And Father, as we take this cup, we're reminded that this represents your blood. It's your, your blood that saved us. It's your blood that redeemed us. It is literally your blood that paid the price that was owed for our sins past, present, and future. We get to sit here in peace because of your blood. Because you were the spotless lamb. Because you did it, we don't have to try to do it. But instead, we get to honor you with our lives. Thank you for the blood. In Jesus' name, you may drink. Father God, we believe we receive all that has been made available through our victory in you, in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise for that. Give God a hand clap of praise for that, amen. And you may be seated if you can. Well, praise God. Welcome to World Changes Church, Houston. We're glad that you made it out on this blessed day. You didn't let the threat of rain keep you away, amen, but you came on out. We counted a privilege to worship with you on today. Well, we're going to continue on 
in our um, message about trusting in the promises of God. But before you do, let's go to God with the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this, another opportunity to minister to these, your precious sheep. We thank you, as always, your revelation knowledge will flow freely, uninterrupted and unhindered by any satanic or demonic force. I thank you that today you're the one doing the speaking through my vocal cords and the thinking through my mind. May it be none of me and all of you in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 40. And again, we're talking about trusting in the promises of God. It's very timely, especially when you think about the, what we just got finished talking about as far as having the victory. You know, many people hear that, but it's a hard time sometimes saying I got the victory when you also got an eviction notice. It's a little hard sometimes saying I got the victory when they just told you that you got stage whatever cancer and you only have so many months to live. Yeah. It's a hard time saying I got the victory um, when you're standing in front of the judge and he's handing down a sentence to you uh, to be in prison. So it's a hard time to say I got the victory when your spouse has looked at you and said they want a divorce. Amen. It's a hard time saying I got the victory, but how many of you guys know that in every situation, in every circumstance, as a believer, you have the victory? So then the thing becomes, well, if I have the victory, how do I maintain my faith so that I can see that victory manifest in my everyday life? Because I love the fact that I can come to church on Sunday and Wednesday and hear that I got the victory and it makes me feel good. But on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday and Saturday, I need that victory to manifest in my life. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, we have to understand that in order to have victory manifest in our life, it requires the ability to trust God. Or another way of saying that is to have faith. Yeah. See, unbelief, a lack of faith, doubt, those are things designed by the enemy to block God's blessings from your life. It's not that the blessing's not available. It's not that the victory hasn't been given. But if I engage in thoughts and actions that are contradicting what the promises of God are for my life, I'll find that those blessings take longer, if at all, to manifest in my life. I have to trust God. And so this entire series, we've been talking about that very thing. And to kind of recap a little bit for everyone, like we did on Wednesday night, I've kind of reorganized uh, how we've laid this out so that we can better gain concept of the stages and strategies that we have to trusting God and trusting in his promises. So there are four stages in this process to trusting God. Everybody say four. four. And under those four stages are various strategies. There are nine total in trusting them. So at each stage, you have certain things or certain strategies that you should do in order to achieve that stage. So far, we've gone through the first two stages, and I'll give you those real quick just as a recap. The first stage is remember what God promises us in his word and keep it in our hearts. The first stage, if I'm going to trust in the promises of God, I have to remember what he promises in his word. Amen? 
And then I have to keep that in my heart. It's hard to trust in something that I haven't read or haven't spent some time with. So I have to read the word of God and I have to remember that word and I have to keep it in my heart because how many of you guys know that the storms, the situations, the circumstances, they're going to come to try to blow that word right out of my heart. It's like a tree being rooted. You know, a big, big, big tree that's been around for a while, those roots have gone really, really deep. And normally those are the trees that can hang out when a hurricane comes. They'll bend, but they won't be uprooted. But if a tree is sick or if it doesn't have good roots, what ends up happening as soon as the big storm comes? It blows out. And we have to have that word in our hearts and have it anchored so we can hold on to it. Now, in this first stage, here are the three strategies we talked about a couple of weeks ago in order to succeed. So number one, in this stage of remembering his promises and his word, I have to, number one, locate the promise in the word. If I'm believing God for healing, for example, what's a scripture on healing that I can locate in the word of God? Somebody just yell it out. Yes. All right. So, <laughs> and one is my, uh, uh, by his stripes, we are, it's a really simple one. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Now, is that in the word of God? And it says we were healed or are healed. And those words such as were and are and shall, those are promise words. And you need to learn how to locate all the promise words in the word of God because those words mean that it's done. A promise from God is done. See, a promise from me, a promise from somebody else, those sometimes are conditional, right? You know, just like we do with our everyday jobs. You go to work, you get a check, right? Well, you should. Uh, amen? Y'all got real quiet on that. Uh, okay, we'll be praying for you. But if you don't go to work, you show sure nothing getting a check, right? So reward in our everyday life most of the time is conditional. But because of God's grace and because of the sacrifice of Jesus, the promises of God are yours, period. So anytime you see a shall or a will or are, those things you can take to the bank as done. So if by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed and I am healed, what does that actually mean? That means when he got beat on the way to the cross, he took the beating for me. The Bible says he was wounded for my transgression and bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon who? Him. He did all the work. He did all the work. He did all the work. Wait, you mean I ain't got to earn healing? No, that's part of being saved is healing is engrafted into your life because of what Jesus took on his back. So by those stripes, the promise is he took the stripes. If he takes the stripes, the promise is you're healed. So the condition is he got to take the stripes. And if he took the stripes, the promise is what? I'm healed. By his stripes, you were healed. So I'm looking at this promise. And I'm seeing that this promise applies to me. And I started looking at the conditions. Did Jesus take stripes? Was he whipped? Absolutely. So if he took stripes, if he was whipped, what does that mean? No, you about to be healed. No, you got to come to church 17 times within this month in order to be healed. No, you got to sow $10,000 to me personally. And I got something special I'll, I'll throw at you. And then you get healed. 
Now, I'm not talking down on any of that stuff, type of stuff, but I'm trying to show you what the word simply says. It ain't by your giving. It's not by the this, that, and the other. It's, 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 it's simply by do I trust what he said. And what I got to trust in is do I trust in what Jesus did. That's what it's boiling down to. See, what religion tries to get us to say is, is trust in what you're going to do. You got you to pay for that healing. You got to tend for that healing. You got to act a certain way for that healing. And Jesus said, I paid the price. I, I attended the cross. And I did everything that it was needed to be done to obtain your healing for you. I need to locate that promise and trust it. That's why the devil works overtime to make sure you don't go to church. That you don't read the word. Because a good church is going to hold all them promises up in front of you and say, listen, it's done. It's already done. All you got to do is receive it and believe it. And then we'll teach you how to receive it and believe it. Because you know what? The more we talk about this, we've been talking about this all year. The more we talk about this, this is all boiling down to it's already all done. Do I trust God? I mean, really? Anything that's going on in my life, it's done. It's worked out to my favor. I just got to decide that I believe it enough to talk and act like it's done. Yeah, walking like I thought. I mean, wait, wait. <laughs> but I got I to gotta make up my mind that that's exactly what he said, and it's done. But, but the only way I can do that is first by locating the promises in the word of God. So when you go home, if you're dealing with a situation or a circumstance and life starts trying to beat you up, you, you feel depression coming on or whatever like that, what you need to do is you need to get your Bible or your Bible app. Or, or, or nowadays, just Google <laughs> that situation and, and, and type in depression in the Bible. You'd be amazed at all the scriptures that'll come up. So, you know, back in the day, you had to get the concordance and, and you know, and, and sit and try to find it and everything like that. Now you ain't even got to do all that. You just literally type in and you find the scripture. So you ain't got to be no Bible scholar to trust the promises. That'll come with time. But I'm talking about with where you're at right now. Locate the promise in the word and then start standing on that promise. Amen. Number two, well, this is the next part. Once I've located the promise, number two, in this first stage, I have to believe the promise. Like I said, we'll scream and shout, we got the victory. But I need you to believe it so much that when you go home today and that situation is staring you in the face, I need you to stay just as joyful and just as excited as you were when you were standing in here with us. Knowing that if it was done at 11, whatever it is, here, it's going to be done at 6 o'clock when you get home. It's, if it's done, it's done. And, and I got to believe that because, again, the circumstances that I see and experience with my senses does not change the work of Jesus. He has already finished it. And whatever experience I have outside of this building is not changing the fact that Jesus finished it. You know, that's what, that's what happens a lot of times. We'll, we'll hear a good word and we'll be fired up and excited and we'll get out there into the world outside of these four walls and then we'll start experiencing the opposite of what the promises of God say and then that's where the battle is in your mind to now give in or not. I need you to have the promises of God on your mind so that you can 
convince yourself enough through faith that that's what the reality is, not what you're seeing. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Peter did that very same thing when he got out of the, out of the boat. We've been talking about this. And, and he walked on the water to Jesus. He did something impossible. He did the supernatural. And he did all of that by a word from the Lord. What magic? What did Peter do? He heard the word. He believed the word. And then he acted on the word. And that's how you engage the supernatural in your life. It is hearing the word. It is believing the word. And then it is acting on the word. And you will see the supernatural regularly in your life. But I want you to understand something about Peter and how the supernatural, because how many of us want to see the supernatural operating in our lives? Yeah, but, but where does the supernatural happen? I need you to understand the supernatural don't happen in the boat. There were at least 12 other disciples who did not experience the supernatural on that day. It was only those who were willing to believe God enough to walk out in the midst of danger and have the courage to trust the word from the Lord. What was the word from the Lord? When Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. And then Jesus said, come. And in that word was all the power that was needed to change the laws of gravity, to change everything else. And all of a sudden, Peter stepped out of the boat, the comfortable place, the supposed safe place, the place where everybody else was at because a word from the Lord told him to be set apart, to come out from where they at and be where I'm at. And Peter trusted in Jesus enough that he said, that's actually the safe place. The safe place is by the side of Jesus because that's where Jesus said to be. Jesus didn't say stay. He said come. So guess what? I see y'all later. I'm headed out on the water. And the supernatural happened in the storm. And here we've been waiting for the supernatural to happen in the calm place, the comfortable place that we've set up in our own little space saying, well, this is comfortable and this is good for me. So now God, show up where I'm at. He said, no, you need to show up where I'm at. See, Peter had to go to where Jesus was. We trying to get Jesus to come to we at where we at. To the situation we've created, the circumstance we created. If I'm trusting in the promises of God, I got to go where he says to go. And be where he says to be. And then hang out there with him. And then, yes, I may be hanging out there. And it's a very interesting place he got me at. But if I get to looking too much at where he got me at and get my senses focused on that, what happened to Peter when he got his senses, his eyes, and everything focused on the storm? He began to... But guess what? Jesus, because he sunk where Jesus was at, Jesus was there to pull him back up. You find yourself sinking and you reaching out for Jesus. You're like, where, where's God? Why is this happening? Because Jesus is over there. And you over here. Now, he love you, but get to where he's at. Because his grace is sufficient. I firmly believe Jesus did not let Peter's like, head go completely underwater. He said, in beginning to sink, Jesus reached out. Jesus wasn't playing a game. Like, see, there you go playing games, Peter. You ain't listening. So I'm going to let you get a little water in your throat, and then I'm going to pull you up. <laughs> no, he said, beginning to sink, when he started to sink, whoa, Jesus pulled him up. What does that tell me? That tells me as I'm trusting in the promises of God, it's still not about me being perfect. I can make a mistake. This is Jesus he's hanging out with right now, y'all. 
This man has experienced the supernatural by walking on the water, and he still made a mistake, and Jesus still had his back. So this lie that if you make a mistake or if you slip up or if you get your eyes off of Jesus for a moment or if you backslide or something like that, that now God is ticked off at you and rejecting you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. The scripture clearly says that if you will just reach out, you will make contact with the hand of God. So you got to locate that promise in the word and then you got to believe the promise. Amen? If you understand that, say amen. amen. Now, here's the third thing in this first stage. The third thing is, is once I believe the promise, then I have to settle. Everybody say settle. Settle, settle that the promise that you locate is indeed God's will for your life. Again, it was like we were just talking about with Peter. P- many people see the promises of God and the word, but they say, wow, that's amazing what God did for Peter, but he would never do that for me. Well, why not? Well, you don't understand where I come from. I may not understand what you come from, where you come from, and what's happened to you, but I know that the blood of Jesus has covered it all. So the way God looks at you is the same way he looks at the guy who thinks he's perfect or the guy who thinks he's perfect. He sees the blood of Jesus on you. He don't see all that mess from the past. That's been forgiven. The word of God literally says, he don't even remember your sins. Did you know that? That God, don't, he don't even remember your sins unless you, you, but you keep reminding him every time you pray. <laughs> Father God, please forgive me for that. Da, 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 and da, da, da. He's like, I, I already forgave that. I, I forgave that with the blood of Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. How, some of y'all looking at me like, I don't know if I believe that. Okay. How many of you guys were alive when Jesus died on the cross that day? Raise your hand. <laughs> I didn't even make an old joke. That was, that was, <laughs> but none of us were alive, yet we still hold true that by his sacrifice we're all saved, right? See, his blood forgave the sins of the past, the sins of that present day, and the sins that were to come. See, we have a hard time believing that because we want to put conditions on salvation and on, I mean, on uh, love. God's love is unconditional. And to say that Jesus didn't die for your sins back then and that they can only be forgiven right now would mean that Jesus has to continue to go on the cross on a regular daily basis every time you sin. That's the only way your sins would be covered, right? They got to be covered by the perfect blood of Jesus. That means that he is still dying on the cross right now for everybody's sins. That means that Jesus lives on the cross. But what, where does the Bible say Jesus is at right now? He at the right hand of the Father, and what is his position? He chilling. He's your advocate. He's interceding. But he ain't on the cross no more. Did you hear what I said? He did that once, as it says in Romans, and for all. Why are you spending time on this? Because I need you to know that the promises of God are for you and your past mistakes and even present mistakes and even future mistakes are not changing the fact that God still has made promises for you. See, you need to accept that as truth. Now, what our mind says, well, wait a minute, are you saying I can just behave any old way and then God will keep forgiving me? I'm saying he's already forgave you. 
But I'm also saying that a believer is going to believe the whole Bible. So when it says that I need to renew my mind in Romans 12, 1 and 2, when it says I need to present my body a living sacrifice, when it says these things, I'm going to do that not so I can earn the blessing. I'm already blessed. Not so I can earn forgiveness. I'm already forgiven. I do that because I love God. I do that because I am saved. What are you saying? I'm saying we've had it backwards all this time. We've been trying to do all this stuff so that we can be right for God and therefore be blessed. And I'm telling you, according to what it says in the New Testament, Jesus was the right one for us all. And we get to benefit from that. And so as a result, we, may, we now have the choice to honor God with our lives. So I do read my word so I don't cuss everybody out. I do read my word so I don't lie, cheat, murder, steal, and do all these things. I do that to honor God now with my life because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? According to Galatians 5, love. I should have love being produced out of my life if God lives on the inside of me. That's how I take care of my sin problem. I allow the Holy Spirit to produce. It is not me that does the production to stop sin. It is him. You've been trying that your whole life. Has it worked yet? That's because you need him. He's the one working on the inside of you to change you. So yes, right living, going to church, worship, uh, sowing seed, all that stuff has its proper place, but it falls after receiving the promise of salvation, which comes from the works of Jesus, not the works of you and me. Once I receive his works, once I trust in his promise, then he moves on the inside of me and then helps me do the right living. I said this before, God did the loving the unconditional loving. God did all the loving, and he sent his son Jesus to do the saving. He did the saving, and then he did all the working that needed to be done. Your job is to do the believing. God does the loving. Jesus did the saving and did all the working. Our job is to do the believing, and then the Holy Spirit comes in, and guess what? He does the changing. And that changing that he does on the inside of you, that's what helps you do the right living. We've been trying to do this right living, and we are banging our heads up against the wall trying to get it done, ain't we? Trying to figure out, why can't I just get this? I'm good in this area. I'm good in this area. But this area, I just can't figure out. Because you need supernatural ability. And that's what the Holy Ghost's job is to do. Amen? I don't know how I got into that, but settle. Number three, that the promise is God's will for your life. Oh, that's why I got into that. Because that, 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 that's the qualifier. The qualifier is Jesus, not your works. But people often will think the promises aren't for them because of their lives and where they currently are. See, it freaks people out to understand that the promise for the pastor is the same for the guy who's smoking weed out there who just got saved. I, I don't get extra promises because I'm a pastor. God looks at you and me and sees the same, Jesus. That's what he looks at. The only reason, the only difference between me and you is a Jesus. 
That's it. And if you got him, we are the same. Ain't that what the words say? There's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no male, there's no female. There's no such thing as Gentile. We are all the same, covered in the blood of Jesus. Don't no pastor get no extra blessing. We got extra responsibility. <laughs> but I got access to the same blessing you got access to. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. See, that's hard because that religion has said, no, but you what we're supposed to be trying to achieve. No, you're trying to achieve Jesus. He's your goal. Amen? Amen. That, that, thank you, Holy Spirit. That's how you stay out of church hurt, by the way. He just told me, I'm about to go on the summer. That's how you stay out of church hurt. That's why so many people, they come in and out of church, in and out of church. Why? Because they're looking at a person. You stay out of church hurt by keeping your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. You be at where, like I said, you be wherever he is. Don't be looking at people. People be straight today, then they be messed up tomorrow, and they be straight again the next week. Amen. I ain't gonna cuss you out, but I might have a problem. Amen. I'll be professional, but you know, I can't guarantee you that over the next 60, 70, 80 years of us knowing each other, we won't have a, a rubbing. But don't leave the place God has for you because of a human being being a human being. Amen. But that's, that's why you got to keep your ass focused on him. And we are going to get there together. Yeah. Amen? Amen. All right. Second stage. So the first stage was remember what God's promises, what God promises us in the word, and then keep that in your heart. And those were the three stages for that. The second stage was firmly trust in God's promises that you've been given to overcome problems. So at this next stage, first stage, I located the word, and I had to, you know, find it and remember it. This stage, I got to trust it, okay? Now, here's the uh, strategy, for, uh, the first strategy, which should be strategy four if you're keeping these in number, uh, numerical order. Uh, strategy four is ask God according to his will or his word for the promise. So you've located this promise, you're believing this promise, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with now asking. But you got to ask the right way. Amen? And that's where the scripture comes in that we don't have up on the screen for the last 25 minutes. Uh, it says, and there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, now read this with me, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Sounds like a true statement, right? This is the leper talking to Jesus. And he said, hey, if you want to, you can heal me. So this guy's displaying faith. He's displaying a, a certain level of trust in the promise of who Jesus is. He's honoring who Jesus is. And he's saying, listen, if you want to do it, you can do it. And that's very true. Let's keep uh, reading. Uh, go to uh, verse 41. He says, and Jesus moved with compassion put forth his hand and touched him. Now here's the word from the Lord, and saith unto him, what he said. So the first thing he let him know was, it is my will for you to be healed. Amen. He didn't just heal him, he addressed the guy's mindset. 
Why did he do that? Because I firmly believe that if this guy didn't know that Jesus wanted him to be healed, he would have got healed, walked away, not knowing it was the will of God for his life to stay healed and could have indeed fell back into sickness. This guy, Jesus recognized, you need to know that I want this for you. Because I know that you know, if you know that I want this for you, <laughs> that if it tries to return, you will return back to the promise of what I will. Because I'm not going to be standing here with you for the rest of your life. So I need you to hold on to the promise of my word, which is the promise of my will, and that promise is enough to heal you and to maintain your health. He says, he put forth his hand and he touched him. And he says unto him, I will, and then he said, be thou clean. Now that's the healing moment. That's the moment of the interaction. But his faith is what got it going. Verse 42. And as soon as he had what? As soon as the word of the Lord came out of the Lord's mouth. Same thing that happened with Peter. Soon as Jesus said, come, supernatural went into effect. Soon as Jesus said, I will, be thou clean. I will be thou clean. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Correct something I said. It says as soon as he spoke, and the first thing he said to him was what? Go back to the verse 41. What's the first thing he said? He said he touched him. That ain't where the healing happened. He said to him what? That's where the healing happened. Healing, prosperity, deliverance, freedom, whatever you're believing God for starts at his will. And his will is his word. So the moment you make contact with that will and that word, and you receive it and believe it, guess what? It's done. No, but I need Pastor Archie to, to you know, pray for me and lay hands on me and throw some oil on me and everything like that. Uh -uh, you, you were healed at the will of Jesus. You were healed at the will of God. If that's what happened for the leper, guess what? It's good enough for me. Verse 42. Now, understand what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with laying on hands and things like that. But I'm telling you, look at how it happened right here. It said, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him. And not only was he just healed, it said he was cleansed. No issue with the blood anymore. No issue with the cells in his body anymore. It was a complete and total healing. At a word from the Lord. At a word from the Lord. Do you have the promise of God for that situation? Because at that word, it's done. If you understand that, say amen. Now I want to show you something else though in this particular story. So we saw that the leper walked up to him and he, and he asked him. Basically he said what? Heal me. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with going to God and asking God to heal you, to deliver you, or whatever like that. But I want to make sure that you understand this in proper perspective and that you as a grace-based New Testament believer are asking the right way. It's important to recognize what dispensation, for lack of a better word, was taking place or in place when Jesus was walking the earth. Okay, Jesus had not yet died yet. 
So grace or the New Testament was not available as of, that, as of yet. Because that only came in place with his blood, right? He had to be the sacrifice, and that's what forgave man's sins and all of that. So man's sins had not been forgiven at this point. The covenant of grace was not available at this point. It only came once Jesus died. The full-fledged will of God had not been revealed just yet. That's why this leper came and said, if you will. Because he couldn't stand on a covenant that you and I have. It was not available. So it was only by him coming and saying, if you will, because the only other way for him to get healed or forgiven of sins was he had to be a Jew and he had to go through the process with the priest. This guy apparently didn't qualify for that. And so his only other option was this dude named Jesus that he had heard about and he only knew whatever Jesus was teaching. So he had to come to him and say, if you will, heal me. And then at a word, Jesus said, I will, and now it's done. But you and I live under a different covenant than that guy. The grace of God has made healing already available to you. Jesus told you, I will, with his life. He told this dude, I will, with his mouth, but he told you, I will, with his blood. And that blood ratified a new contract between us and God. And it made healing now available to us all. We don't have to go up to Jesus or God anymore and say, if you will, heal me. We get to ask in a different way. See, that guy had to go up with a question mark saying, if you will, heal me. We get to go up with the command boldly to the throne of grace and say, heal me, period. See, we ask, but we ask in line with God's will and word, understanding the covenant that we're under. You should never have a question mark behind the question that you're asking God for your life. It should never be, please deliver me, Lord. Please heal me, Lord. Please prosper me, Lord. No, prosper me. I'm asking, but I'm asking in line with his will and his word. I'm asking in line with the blood of Jesus. I'm asking in line with the covenant of grace that says it is finished. So anytime I don't see something happening in my life that should be happening according to the blood of Jesus, according to the covenant of grace, I place a demand on it in the name of Jesus and I say it's done. Heal me. It's done. Prosper me. It's done. Grant me wisdom. And I declare that thing done. Why? Because his word has already said it's done. The person who's saved got to come, who, who, who's not saved has to walk up with a question mark because they don't know the will of God. But you know God's will. His will is that the answer to you is yes. It's yes. Why? Because I'm asking in his name. We talked about it on Wednesday. What does it mean to ask in the name of Jesus? That means in line with his will, with his purpose. If you went to World Changers Church Dallas and I sent you up there in my name and I said, hey, I need you, they need some help down there at the Dallas church and Dr. Dollars give me off authority to go and do what needs to be done in that church so I'm sending you sister or brother so-and-so to go to that church in my name and to get some things done, what does it mean when you go in my name? 
Yeah, my authority. You're going to go in my authority? You're going to go with the words that I have? You're going to go in line with my will? So when we are to ask something in Jesus' name, it means I need to know his will for my life. I need to know what his word says about this situation. And then I'm going to have his word shape my asking. So I'm going to be asking things that are in line with his word, and guess what his answer is to everything that he already told me? Yes. He says, I'm healed. I'm healed. Heal me. Yes. He says, I'm prosperous. I'm prosperous. Prosper me. Yes. You see that now? So in the name of Jesus is not just a catchphrase. It's meaning literally being in line with what he says. Go to Psalms 37.4. Let me show you this real quick in a word. Are you getting anything out of this? Amen. Amen. Psalms 37.4, it says, uh, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall do what? Give thee the desires of thine heart. Uh, go to that in the Amplified. And then we're going to look at it in the ERV after that. Oh, yeah, there you go. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the what? The desires and the secret petitions of your heart. How are they secret petitions? Because, see, I've been spending time with God getting the secrets from his heart. Now, his heart is becoming my heart. Uh, let's look at the ERV, uh, easy to read version. Enjoy serving the Lord. Enjoy serving the Lord. A servant is one who knows the will of the master. A servant is one who also knows and then does the will of the master. So he says, enjoy knowing and doing the will of the master, and he will give you what? Whatever you ask for. Why? Because you're doing his will. You're asking according to what he wants you to have. Now, if you will somebody else's husband or wife, guess what? That ain't going to happen because that's not God's will for your life. Amen? If you believe in and, 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 and declaring $1 billion into my life right now in Jesus' name. Pastor said God wants me to prosper, so I declare the billion flow. But you ain't passed the hundred flow yet? He, he not going to give you that just yet because he's not going to give you something as a loving father that's going to damage you. So he wills to prosper you, but don't get deep with this thing. He's going to prosper you at the level that you're at. So you'll just have hundreds flowing in. And you'll have opportunities to be faithful with the hundreds yeah. or with the thousands. But I'm not, I mean, my kids can ask me for my keys to my car as much as they want to. Do I want my kids to drive? Absolutely. But until you prove yourself with the permit, better yet, let's back up, until you prove yourself with the test to get the permit, right. take you 17 months to, to do the test, I'm not giving you no keys, but that's but but what we're saying is give me the Lamborghini keys. And it's like, wait, well, first of all, you hadn't even taken the test for the permit. So what am I gonna do if I put a Lamborghini keys into the hands of a 16-year-old who don't even know how to drive? Anyone who's driven a fast car kind of knows what I'm getting at. That thing takes off, it has a certain amount of power. It's not a, it's not even about can they drive. It's now about can you handle something that powerful? And you asking for all this anointing, you asking for the billion flow, can you handle something that powerful yet? 
God wants you to have it, but he needs you to be faithful just showing up at church on Sunday. <laughs> on Wednesday, tuning in through the stream or whatever, he just needs you to be faithful to serve in the department he told you to serve in. He just needs that, that faithfulness, and then as you're faithful in that, then he can trust the powerful anointing to you. He's a loving father, and he wants to give you his will for your life, but you'll get that, and you'll discover his will as you enjoy serving him. So I ask, not with the question mark, I ask, boldly coming to the throne of grace, asking for that help in any time of trouble. I, I ask, but I ask according to his will. And then I'm mature enough to understand that I am in a process. So, because people look at other people and they say, why they got that? And I don't have that yet. I thought it was no respect of persons. There's not any respect of persons, but they just, just be honest, they just at a different level right now. And that's okay. You're supposed to be content with where you're at. You're going to get there, but start with where you're at. And if anything, give it to your brother or sister who seems to be kind of more mature and moving on and say, hey, you mind if we get on the phone or go to lunch or whatever like that so I can learn a little bit about what you're doing? And then you'll discover, like, oh, man, I wake up and pray at what time? <laughs> you doing what? <laughs> I love what Pastor Dollar says, you know, you want what he has, but we don't want to do what he's what he doing. Well, at, at that level, now God loves us just like he loves everybody else. There's no respect to a person, but as you grow in this thing and as you mature in this thing, your asking begins to change because you're like, oh, wait a minute, that's what it takes to be that and to do that and to have that? I'm down at this other place. I'm still blessed, but I have to be at where I'm at and so that I can grow to that level. Do you practically understand what I'm saying? And so, so we got to take all this deepness out of everything. And then having people all up in bondage because they million flowing came in yet. Well, no, join the financial class and, and, and learn how to do a budget first. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen, because some of y'all might be already in the thousand dare flow and don't know it because you don't have a budget and all your money going out the window. Y'all say, you are messing way too much <laughs> in this business now. But I'm trying to tell you what, what, what the Holy Spirit is telling me right now. You know, it, it was, Melissa and I had to do that same thing. We were believing God for some money for something, this, that, and other. Man, we, we, you couldn't have told us we had the money. And so we were about to give up on a, on a promise of God in our life. As pastors, we were literally like, well, I guess we thought God wanted us to have that, but man, you know, we got to come up with, and I'll tell you guys, we had to come up with $5,000 a month. I was like, I ain't no $5,000 a month. Holy Spirit said, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. <laughs> I said, I pay the bills. I know how much money I do and don't have. He said, that thing is for you, and it's up to you right now whether or not. It was a, it was a moment's decision. He says, up to you right now whether it's going to manifest. I was like, what? What do you mean it's up to me? I thought it was up to you, and I thought you, you know, you gave it. He said, I've already set it up for you. It's done. It's in front of you. I mean, guys, when I say it was in front of you, I mean, it's, it was there. This ain't talking about nothing trying to manifest. It was done. But this money was an issue. 
And then I was reminded, you know, money is never an issue for God and blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, I'm looking, you know, at this, 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 this number we got as a bottom line number. And that mug is, you're talking about, we wasn't underwater, but it was right there. <laughs> and I said, man, so I don't see $5,000, Lord. He said, go back. He said, go up to the park. So we went to the park. And he said, now sit down and talk with Melissa. And he said, I want you guys just to talk and listen to me along the way. So we were talking and listening to the Holy Spirit. And then he told me to put out our budget that I have for us. He said, I want you to do what I tell you to do. We looked at that dog and mother, reworked it. It was like 6,500 or something like that we ended up having just in there. And I didn't even believe it. And I'm talking about a month, y'all. First of all, I was like, I didn't even realize how much God had prospered us. That's another thing, too. As you're just serving God, you begin prospering and won't even realize it. The blessing always ends up showing up or manifesting in our lives when I'm not even looking for it. What does that mean? I've relaxed so much, and I've trusted God and turned it over to him so much, I I almost forgot I asked. That's how I'm trying trying to tell you. When I'm sitting there worrying about it, and I'm on the floor, but it it don't show up right there. Why? Because I'm praying really out of doubt and out of fear, and I'm trying to get something to happen. But when I say, Lord, it's done, and I move on to serving him, it all, I promise y'all, it always shows right up. The blessing shows up often after rest. So that's what we did. We went to the park, and we just said, Lord, we rest on this thing, and okay, so show us. Man, he showed us that 6,500 bucks. We got on the phone and said, yeah, we got the money to do what needs to be done. And you would have never told me that we could save 50000 actually it ended up being like $75,000 altogether, uh, in the course of a year for something we, we were believing God for. And somebody said, why are you telling all your business like that? Because I need you to know it's possible for you. We are two regular human beings with regular checks and regular jobs that did not have enough money to do what needed to be done. But when we heard a word from the Lord and then we practically believed in the word for us, we had money show up out of what we considered nowhere, but God had really already provided what we needed. And it ain't because we the super pastors. No, we are just, like I said, two folks. Just like you. Who said, Lord, I believe you. Now, Holy Spirit, so we submitted our will, submitted our plan, got the arrogance out the way, got the pride out the way, and said, Holy Spirit, now show us. And we didn't get a raise. We didn't get increase, none of that. He said, you already got it in your hand to do what I've called you to do. See, some of us are looking for stuff, and God's like, I I prospered you already. It's there. But are you willing to submit to work with what I gave you? Amen. So ask. (laughs) But ask correctly. Ask with the knowledge that it's his will and that it is already done. Amen? So, and I want you to get that. When you go to ask, see it already done. Don't ask trying to get it to be done. That's going to move you into self-effort. That's going to move you into trying to make plans on how it's going to get done. Amen? And, and how many planners do I have out here? People who naturally kind of plan and organize and, and strategize. Raise your hand. Raise them high. I'm, it's me too. Raise them high. Okay, especially us. Keep them up. <laughs> especially us. We naturally plan. It's, it's a gift, actually, that God gave you. Okay? 
But that gift can get in our way really quickly. And we'll get to strategizing with our smart selves <laughs> how to plan out God's manifestation in our lives. Amen. Keep your hands up. See, we already put our hands down. They talk about. <laughs> we'll get to strategizing that thing out. And, and, and we need to humble ourselves. Especially those of us who are married. Because our spouse normally got the other part, and we, we don't shut them down because we're the planners. You need to just go and stop being so emotional, and we can't, we can't just rejoice everything through. It, it takes a plan. Pastor said it had to be a plan. Things don't happen. They must be planned. Amen. And our spouse already told us what the Holy Spirit said. Don't told us to relax, but we don't see it because I need to see it on paper. Amen. So we need to relax. Because we, we, we will plan God's will right out of our lives. You can put your hands down. <laughs> and then we'll try our plans, and then our hearts get broken because it don't really fully work, do it? And we'll, man, we'll try that thing over and over again, and we'll be like, we heard from God. Because a, a good plan is not necessarily the voice of God, so you know. I used to think all my good plans that were one plus one equal two at the end of the day, because that's how you feel when the plan's done. It's like it all equals what it needs to equal. So it must be God. <laughs> no. I'm trying to tell y'all. The plan of God has, has come to fruition in my life over and over again, not in spite of my plan, but often without the plan. Your planning is good and it has its place, and God will use that, like He used it with me when I finally sat down at that park and He had me rework that budget. Thank God I made the budget like He told me to. So it was something to be reworked, but the budget wasn't ultimately the answer. You see what I'm saying? So be careful of not making your plan the ultimate answer because you will miss the voice of God by listening so much to your own. Amen? Amen. Okay. Number, that was number four under the second stage. So the fifth strategy, so after I've asked God, but I've asked him the right way, and this is one that's somewhat obvious is now that I have asked, I need to meditate on that promise. Because I asked. Just like the leper, he asked. But now to maintain that health and healing that he had, what, did he have, what was he going to have to do? Go back to the word. Jesus said he willed it. I see this legion trying to come back. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Amen? Because sometimes people think people who got healed are healed once for all and no symptom ever comes back. But the people who have been healed of something, cancer and other stuff, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Those symptoms try to come back sometimes. Yeah. People who have had marriages restored, ignorance try to come back in that marriage sometimes. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. And you got to meditate on the promise. Uh, go to Joshua 1 and 8. Joshua 1 and 8. Uh, this is an easy-to-read version. I go to the King James Version. Uh, we, we're very familiar with that, and we may come back to that one. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest what? Observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now, this is Joshua talking to the children of Israel. Keep this in perspective. And he was particularly talking about the law. But the principle here is the same. 
It is through the meditation of God's word and me seeing myself doing that that will ultimately bring the manifestation of success in my life. Now, we are successful, but it will not manifest in our life or stay manifested if we do not keep the word at the forefront of our mind. Uh, go to the easy to read version. Let's just look at the different um, interpretation of it. It says, always remember what is written in that book of the law. Now, we don't live by the law anymore, right? So what would that be for us? Always remember what the covenant of grace says. Always remember what the Holy Spirit has told you. Always remember what the word of God has said. See, for the children of Israel, this was, you know, you got to make sure you got this in the right context. Because I don't want you to go back and say, well, the law is the answer. See, it's right there. Nope, that was the, this is the Old Testament, so we got to read this in context. But the point is still true. Always remember God's word. Speak about that book, in this case, the word, and do what? Ooh, there's that big S word. It's not enough just to hear me talking about it. It's not enough just to hear Dr. Dollar and Pastor Taffy talking about it. In order to gain the revelation, in order to gain the life that is promised in this word, you're going to have to take some notes, you're going to have to then go home, and you're going to have to study this word. That's only if you want to see success manifest. If you want to just keep going from good feeling to good feeling every week, if you want to just have a Snickers bar for your spiritual diet once a week or twice a week, then, then yeah, don't study. But there has not been a time I haven't cracked open the Word of God and spent more than five minutes with it that revelation don't get to jumping off the page for my life. It's like God is literally sitting in wherever place he tells you to go, waiting on you to give you secrets to your life. But you got to show up at the study place. Amen? So study it day and night, then you can be sure to obey what is written there. So there is an activity that takes place, but it's after I receive the word, then I look to obey it. And I can't obey it if I haven't meditated on that thing. You know the word meditate means to turn it over and over again in your mind. See, the devil has got you to where, or many, not you, but he's got many people to where they're used to meditating, but they don't even know it. It's called worry. Worry is just meditation in the wrong direction. Some of y'all, I don't know how to meditate to worry. Yes, you do. Remember that last bill that you couldn't pay? And you were really worried when you kept thinking about that thing? You thought about it at work. You thought about it when you took a shower. You thought about it at dinner. You thought about it when you were talking to your spouse. You thought about it when the kids asked for some shoes. And when, God forbid, when they asked to go to Dairy Queen, you freaked out because you were thinking about that bill, also known as worry, also known as meditation. Instead, think about the word that way. Think about that word when you wake up. Think about the word when you're taking a shower. Think about the word when you're at dinner. Think about the word when your kids are talking to you. Think about the word when your spouse is talking to you. Think about the word when you see that bill and you will see what meditation on the word actually does. It produces joy. It produces life. It produces peace. And before you know it, the Holy Spirit gives you instruction on how to deal with the different situations because you've had meditation in the right direction that leads to right action or obedience to his word. That's how it works. Amen. Now check this out. Here's a promise. 
Because anytime you see shall or will, that's a promise. He said, if you do this, you will be, and that's why I love this version, you will be what? Wise. Wise. What is wisdom? Wisdom is knowing what to do when you don't know what to do. I will admit to you that a lot of times I'm just dumb. I don't know what to do in a situation. But I'm smart enough to know how to trust the Holy Ghost. Amen? I'm not talking about our gift of um, intelligence that some of us have. Some of us are talented just with intelligence and, and, and we can know stuff and see stuff and everything like that. I'm talking about trying to deal with life situations. Most of us, if we would admit it, we, we don't know what we're doing. We don't have a clue. We try to, some of us are very good at acting it out like we do know what we're doing. Some of us aren't so good at that. But all of us are figuring this thing out. Can we be honest today? Experience may have taught you a little bit, but even if you 60, 70, 80, or whatever in this room, you're still figuring out that level. That's what I keep figuring out. I keep, I keep waiting to get to the level. You know, so you've been saved as long as I have, and in church as long as I have, and, 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 and you, everybody painted these pictures that, you know, you achieved something. That's, I'm like, I still don't, what, where, where, when is the level? I'm 40, I'm about to be 42 this next month. When, where's the level? And I'm like, oh, there isn't one. It's just a level of trust in God. And you just get to the next age and you trust them some more. You get to the next financial status and you just trust them some more. You get to the next uh, status of being a parent, uh, uh, being married for, we're going on 22 years of marriage. And, you, and, you, and it doesn't matter what you achieve, you just learn how to trust them at a whole nother level. His wisdom comes to you. You will be wise and successful and look at this promise guys when God promises something he promises it he don't be like you know in in like in your marriage or in your finances he said in everything that you do how do I gain wisdom and success in everything I do his word meditating on his word so it sounds like what some of us need to do for this second stage of firmly trusting in God's promises that I've been given overcoming problems, it sounds like a huge part of the solution is changing the way I think and instead of worrying about the situations and circumstances that I'm seeing every day, reverse that and begin to meditate on God's promises concerning that situation. And I'll see success. If you agree with that, say amen. Last thing, we'll, we'll just lightly touch on this and then we'll go ahead and dive into it deeply on a Wednesday night. So that was the first and second stage. The third stage is to constantly and consistently use faith to stand on the promise for results. And you said, that kind of sounds similar to what we just said about, you know, if I do God's word and meditate on it, I'll be successful. Absolutely. But there's two words I said at the beginning. Constantly and consistently use faith to stand on the promise for results. Anybody ever stood on the promises of God? Anybody ever found out the importance of constantly and consistently? See, there's a difference. Again, I'll hear the word of God. But now i got to constantly and consistently stand on that word. Uh, understand this, that 
in order to see the manifestation of grace in our life, it's going to require faith. It's going to require love. And it's going to require patience. It's going to require faith, love, and patience. Go to Hebrews 6.12. Hebrews 6.12. Give you these will, the, will be the last three sets of scriptures and we'll head on out of here. Hebrews 6.12 says, we don't want you to be, wait, this, oh, this is the easy read version. I was like, dang, it said it like that. Uh, go to the King James Version. Let's start there. We don't want you to be lazy. <laughs> Hebrews 6.12, King James. Yes, I like this version. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience did what? Inherit the promises. But it took faith, believing in God, confidence in him and his word, standing on that word, not being moved from it. It takes that as well as patience. Now, some people think patience is just putting up with something. No, yeah, patience has a huge consistency factor to it. It says uh, that I am not going to be moved. Patience is simply prolonged faith. I'm going to be consistent in this faith. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm not going to move. I know it's done. It's being consistently and constantly the same regardless of what happens. That's patience. Are you patient? waiting on the word of the Lord to manifest? Are you practicing patience just in your everyday life? With, with what? With your children, just start there for those of us who are parents. What? Wait a minute, what's that definition again? Okay, patience is prolonged faith. It's being, it is being, <laughs> it is being consistently and constantly the same regardless of what happens. How do I apply that as a parent? Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, see, we, we leave that part out. When they're older, they won't depart from it. I want you to be right, right now. No, 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 there's a promise of later. <laughs> later they'll act right. Right now you are cultivating some ground, amen? So don't trip if your kid ain't acting perfect right now. There's a promise. And the question is, are you being patient within the promise? Are you believing God's word in the promise? Amen? And so that's how you can start looking at this practically and say, am I doing this? Yeah, look at it with your job. Look at it with your spouse. Look at it with your finances. Look at it concerning your increase. Am I being patient or am I placing a demand and saying, God, you got to do it the way I think you should do it right now? Well, he, he might have other plans. He, he wants you to, that thing to come to pass and it will come to pass. But the getting there part is where you have to trust him. I said the getting there part is where you have to trust him. Amen. The promise is yours. But getting there, that's a process. Yeah. If you understand that, say amen. amen. And it's patience that helps me through that process. So again, I don't need to be slothful. How? Am I believing? Because remember, it's not talking about you're doing. You'll read that and think, oh, I got to go get to work to be patient. Where does patience happen? Patience happens right here. I believe in the word. That's where that belief happens. That's where faith happens at, right here in your mind. Uh, go to James 1, verse 2. James 1, 2, and we'll go up to verse 4. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Verse 3, knowing this, say, I know. I know. 
that the trying of your faith worketh patience. First thing that jumps out of, at me is that you got to know this. You don't get into situations and circumstances and not know who your deliverer is. You don't get into situations and circumstances and not know that you are delivered, that you are healed, that you are set free, that the blood of Jesus is more than enough. I don't walk into any situation and circumstances without that knowledge of who I am and whose I am. Because my faith, your faith, according to this scripture, will be tried. What happens when something is tried in a court of law? That means it'll be put to the test. The truth is going to be sought out. And the truth is, is that you got the victory. You already won the case. Your trial resulted in your victory. Why? Because Jesus is the lawyer. He's the judge. He's the advocate. He's all that you need. You, this, this thing was fixed and rigged in your favor. But you got to be patient in the process. You can't get mad because you're in, in a trial. Why well, I got to go to court, Jesus? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We get upset that there's even a test. No. You're trying to have your faith. We're patient. I don't know why you're in that test, but I know you win. Yeah. Remember, we got the victory. Yes, sir. Yeah. 100%. You got it. But you got to have patience. Uh, verse 4. It says, but let patience have her what type of work? That tells me that there's an imperfect work that's possible. And understand this, the, 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 the structure of this part of the sentence, but you let patience, is what it's saying, have its perfect work. So if I'm the one responsible for patience having a perfect work, then I'm also the one that could be responsible for patience having an imperfect work. What did you say? I'm saying we got to make sure we stay out the way of patience while it's working. We, patience has a job to do. If you look back at, uh, you don't have to go there right now, but if, go back, if you go back to verse 3, when it says, the trying of your faith worketh patience, and you study out there where worketh, it doesn't mean it's just out there working. It means it employs patience. That your faith hires patience. And patience has a job to do. But if you immaturely come in and start trying to do the work of patience, also known as worrying, you, you fire patience. And you take patience, as Dr. Dollar calls it, off the field. And guess what? Worry don't get the job done. But patience has everything in it to be successful every single time. Well, how can you say that? Because when patience does her perfect work, it says, here's the promise, that ye may be, that's, that's a promise, perfect and entire What's that last two words? Wanting nothing. Patience does a perfect job when we keep worry out the way. Patience does a perfect, let patience do a perfect job in your life this week. Let patience do a perfect job of healing in your body. Let patience do a perfect job of prosperity in your, in your uh, health and in your wealth and in your bank account. Let patience do its job because patience is working for you. So don't get involved in the process. Remember, what's my job? To believe. What's my job? To believe. What's my job? To believe. 
No, no, no. I got I to gotta do something extra because I got to help out. Believe. You want to believe? Believe extra. You want to do something? Believe extra, extra, extra. You want to do something? Go read more word so you can believe even more. That's what you can go do. We're going to read uh, on Wednesday and some other things you do. You can confess. Confess more. Say it. That's all we want you to do. Believe, read the word. Believe. Confess. Get out the way. <laughs> that's, that's your job. And then you just relax and you rest and you let the blood of Jesus and the finished works of Jesus do what it does, which is deliver you and make you victorious every single time. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. So now you got some answers, you got some solutions, you got some ways now to go out there and trust the promises of God and watch the victory manifest in your life. Amen? Did you get anything out of that today? Amen. Well, let's prepare uh, to give on today. Um, you know, the Bible talks about the fact that God loves a cheerful giver, and we've discovered that that doesn't just mean um, God likes people who give and just be happy, but Part of the reason why I'm a cheerful giver is because I understand that I'm blessed whether I put this in the bucket or not because of what the blood of Jesus has done. Oh, did you say that? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. It says that his blood is the reason you're blessed. But because I'm blessed, I give. Because the word of God also talks about giving into the kingdom as we minister to the, the widow and to the stranger and to the person who's poor. The Bible shows this example of Abraham who gave a tithe to the priest Melchizedek 430 years before the law to tithe was ever created. It was an honorable thing to tithe. So giving and tithing, that's all in the word. But I don't want you giving guilty another day of your life. Amen? No more guilty giving. I'm going to give this because if I don't, God going to curse me. Well, how the blood of Jesus going to save you when you curse at the same time? It doesn't work that way. But I give. I give because I love God. I give because I trust God. And I'm so excited that my misbehavior doesn't mess up my seed. That's, that's exciting. <laughs> it's important that you give into the right ground and good ground, Absolutely. But no more guilty giving. I give because I love God. Now, some people in here says, man, I hear what you're saying, but I don't have my tithe. I, I had to pay a bill. And I, I think God's going to be upset with me if I put anything in that offering other than my exact tithe. For those of you guys who, who've been here, is that true based on the word of God? Mm, because we got the example of the widow with the two copper coins. That wasn't her tithe, was it? Didn't say nowhere that that was her 10%. Yet that offering, Jesus called it more than what the rich people who gave a lot of money was. He said that they gave much. He said, but she gave more. Why? He said, because she gave what she had to live on. She trusted me. I don't know what happened to her time. All I know is that she came with them two copper coins and Jesus recognized that gift. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is not upset with you because you did something else this week with the tithe. 
you're in a process. You're learning how to trust God with your finances. And I'm saying, take a moment right now and trust him right now. Amen? Trust him right now. You got $5 or whatever. And trust him. Lord, what you want me to do with this five? That's what I got. And trust, he's after your trust. So you trust him with what you got. And watch what he does. Amen? And then you grow. You grow. You continue to trust him and trust him. And then you get to that Abraham point where you're like, man, I'm, I'm paying my time. I'm giving an offer. I'm, I'm honoring God. That's cool. But let him grow you. Let the Holy Spirit work on you where you're at. Don't allow fear, doubt, and shame and condemnation to stop you from trusting God right now. The devil wants to make you believe that there's some magical point that you trust God enough to now just give all this money. No, it starts with the two copper coins. And then we grow from there. Amen? Amen. So I trust that you've done all you need to do. Let's raise those up before uh, God. Father, we thank and praise you for the seed that we're sowing, be it through the text or be it through these envelopes or any other way, and we trust you on today. These are seeds of faith, and we honor you with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ushers, you may serve the people. Now give and give cheerfully, knowing that what you did is being obedient to God. And even if you're out there and say, you know what, I don't have anything to give today. Oh, you just trust God. He gives seed to the sower. You got a sowing heart. Trust me, you'll have seed on the next time. Amen? Amen. No condemnation. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, we always like to uh, make sure we have a time. We believe in altar calls and want to make sure we have a time for prayer before we leave out the doors. Uh, if you're in this room and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we want you to get saved. This is gaining access to this covenant of grace and all that God has made available. Uh, if that's you, then we want you to stand to your feet and come on down here. Or maybe you say, I'm already saved, but you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That is the second um, experience that we have as a believer. Salvation is one part. But then receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, the Bible says that in the Holy Spirit uh, will grant you power as he comes upon you to do what God has called you to do. I always say this, even Jesus received the Holy Spirit up on him before he went out and did any ministry. It's required in order to do what he's called us to do. That second experience, if you don't have that or you want to learn more about that, then we want you to come down to the front. And last but not least, if you don't have a good church home, you want to be in a place that's teaching you the word of God, that's ministering the gospel of grace, that's also available to care for you in whatever way you may need care. Uh, that's who we are. That's who Dr. Dodd and Pastor Taffy has made us to be. And we're excited about the opportunity to be here to serve you. So if you don't have a good church home, join us. We'd love to take good care of you and uh, welcome you into the family. So I've called for three things salvation, baptism in the Holy Spirit, or to join the church. If you would say yes on any of those things, then we want to help you come down to the front so we can pray with him for you. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's quickly minister to those who are around us. Ask them if they need prayer for any one of those things. If they would say yes, help them come down to the front. If everybody's all good, give me a thumbs up and we'll keep it moving. Amen.
sisters who are coming down. Amen. Praise God. Do me a favor and stretch your hands towards our brother and sisters and let's uh, pray over them. Father, we thank and praise God right now for these, your precious sheep. We thank you, Father God, that they've obeyed your voice and were moved by you. And we give you all the glory and praise and all that they've come to obtain, they will maintain and receive. And we thank you, Lord, that their lives will never be the same again. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Well, guys, if you would follow Miss Dorothy out, she's going to take you guys to a place to pray with you. Uh, let's give God a hand clap of praise. One more praise, one more time. Amen.